Good evening and welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by the Freedom's Path Recovery Society. We are not affiliated with any 12-step fellowship, nor do we wish to propose only one solution. We understand how different solutions can greatly increase an individual's chance of survival. We hope to illuminate some of the recovery process by sharing as many human stories as we can. Why, you might ask, to show that we can and do build stable lives from a former state of chaos, desperation, and hopelessness. Our stories become our strength. Please remember that any and all opinions shared and heard are those of the individuals and not a reflection of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other entity. So regardless of how crappy or wonderful our opinions might be to you, they still remain opinions, nothing more. You might hear swearing adult themes and situations, as well as the tragedies humans face and walk through every day. It is not suitable for children unless they are accompanied by a parent or guardian or have the explicit permission of those individuals. Well, tonight's guest is a friend of mine, Stephen. How you doing? Pretty good. Right on, man. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming on. Yep, no problem. So take, take it away, dude. It's all yours. You tell us from wherever you want to start, go backwards, mm. forwards, round okay. circles, whatever you want. Let me try to think of, uh, I was looking through my notes before yeah. I got here and I uh, <laughs> realized that I don't have any. <laughs> so, um, the best times. I guess uh, uh, maybe what I'll talk about right now then is where, um, where I'm at in recovery and uh, what uh, I find most engaging mm-hmm. right now in regards to what's going on in my life and... Uh, what um uh like what's led me here mm-hmm. right absolutely so that's where i'm so uh right now i'm four years sober yeah i uh quit drinking in um on december 29th 2014 so wow. i had a four-year sobriety date just recently a couple months ago congrats right? man yeah thanks and um your december baby a december yeah nice. that's my birthday yeah. and my sobriety birthday oh, so oh, i that's got right December 16th is my birthday. I'm 34 or 35, 34. And uh, so I have my uh, birthday, Christmas, sobriety date, the New Year's, right? All, Dude. All slammed together. So. so do you think that that's a curse or a blessing? Um, I, if I could, I would leave for all of December. Yeah. And uh, I try to. So nice. I try to kind of take off from that time as much as I can. This year I went to, um, I spent some time in Las Vegas and I spent some time in Mexico. Cool. So that's where I was. And, but I came back, I have a 10 year old son. Yeah. So we came back for, I came back on the 24th, spent Christmas with the family right for the day. So did you take your boy down to Vegas? Not to Vegas, no, just my brother. Me- your yeah, brother? He'd never been. So, but I, uh, took him to Mexico. Nice. So it was nice weather, got some tans or whatever. Well, actually we didn't tan very much. We were pretty lathered up, yeah. On the sunscreen, on the sunscreen? Mm-hmm. like the the SPF fifty or whatever it is. SPF sixty. Oh yeah. yeah the, oh, pretty... they they even made a new one for people from England. <laughs> yeah, it's like SPF one hundred or one thousand or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's an umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> it's an umbrella. That's yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, when let's see here, where do I even begin? So. I would say that my understanding of my recovery has grown substantially over the last 12 months, six to 12 months, mm-hmm. more so than the last three and a half years of my sobriety, mm-hmm. right? I've gone through some more growth recently than I have in 
you know, it was kind of like sobering up was huge. Yeah. That's like, like massive. And then, um, uh, it took me a while. I probably went to, um, about, I would probably say two to three meetings a day for the first two years. Wow. And then, uh, I, um, that's AA meetings in, in that, in, um, and then I cut it back to about a day of meeting for mm-hmm. the third year. And in the fourth year, probably once or twice a week, um, okay. s- something like that kind of, right. Or in the three and a half year mark started going mm-hmm. like a couple of times. So recovery, going to meetings has been a big thing in my life. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so how would I, let me think here. So thinking about my life and, um, understanding why I drank, mm-hmm. right? I feel like I'm understanding more of why I drank, right? And um, uh, I'm I'm learning a lot about my family history. Uh, my dad's Cree. Mm-hmm. Um, he was uh, raised on a reserve um, west, sorry, north of Winnipeg mm-hmm. called Pegwis. And uh, my mom is from Buffalo, New York. Okay. And um, so are you a dual? Uh, I'm Cree. Okay. Yeah, I have status, right, uh, from my dad's side, mm-hmm. right. Um, if that's what you mean, or like uh, I meant American and Canadian, but oh, American. And but Canadian. that answers the question, too. Okay. Yeah. Um. So no, I don't have my uh, my citizenship, United States citizenship. I'm not yeah. sure if I, I think I can apply. I don't know. My but mom's a United States are. citizen until yeah. recently. She's got her Canadian citizenship. Mm. So, anyways, uh, my father was in residential schooling. Mm. Um, so he was taken from his, uh, home when he was about, I think eight or nine Mm. something like that. Right. And he remained in residential schooling for a handful of years. Um, so. That's brutal, man. Yeah. And that, and that has, that happened with my, his mother as well. Yeah. So it's generational, right? So we have like a lost, um, kind of family history, Mm-hmm. And, you know, so my identity has really been very kind of chopped up mm-hmm. as a result of that generational um, impact of residential schooling, yeah. right? On that side of my family. My mom's side of the family, I know very little about, mm-hmm. right? I never was very, I know, I know some of her close sisters. She comes from a family of nine brothers and sisters. Wow. And I didn't know my grandparents, and um, I don't know very much about them, and mm. I keep my distance from that side of the family. <laughs> Is there a reason you keep your distance, or um, just a lot of dysfunction, and yeah. uh, just a lot of uh, so they just sound. I don't know very much about them, but it just when I meet them or see them and stuff in passing, you know, when they're hanging out with my mom and stuff, it's mm. a lot of dysfunction and stuff, right? So I've always yeah. kept my distance. And with my dad's side of the family, um, there's this intergenerational trauma. And dysfunction as a result of that. But mm-hmm. on my dad's side of the family, there's a lot of success, right? Okay. So there's like lawyers and guys, excuse me, in like oil and everybody's, you know, got their lives and families and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. So I've had a lot of really good examples from that side of my my dad's side of the family mm-hmm. um, being raised, like coming up and stuff like that. So yeah. as dysfunctional as my parents were, um, you know, as a result of their upbringing, right? I had still had some really good examples in my mm-hmm. life, right? So I started drinking when I was about 14-ish, yeah. 
13, 14 maybe, right? And it was just kind of like fun with friends, right? And then uh, I um, was raised Mormon, mm-hmm. right, in the church and uh, a lot of strict rules and a lot of influence through the church. Um, I attended scouts, right? So yeah. scouts uh, had like, there's leaders and stuff and scouts and stuff and camping. So influence there as well. And um, a lot of guidelines in the in the church that um, my mom and both my mom and dad were very involved in the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... By the time I started around my teenage years, 14, 13, 14, right? And um, my mom has always struggled with mental health problems, mm-hmm. right? So me and her started butting heads around that time. And, she, and um, so uh, we, I ended up moving from the home, from my parents' home to a friend of theirs in the church, outside of Calgary. I was born and raised in Calgary, lived there for the first 15 years and moved to Langdon, dropped out of high school, started working full time. And, and, um, that move was quite helpful, mm-hmm. right. And, uh, to get out of the dysfunction of that, my family, and then, um, or the dysfunction that I was bringing to it in some cases. And then, uh, my drinking, um, I worked for a company for seven and a half years, and I uh, went back and did some upgrading and stuff like that in my early 20s. Got married in my early 20s mm-hmm. and got divorced in my early 20s. <laughs> Better to get and, it all over with quick. Yeah. And uh, also, <laughs> yeah, we had uh, our son. Um, and I've always been a big part of his life mm-hmm. um, since he was born. And my drinking kind of started escalating in my early 20s. I started my own company, you know, mm-hmm. in my early 20s. So I was starting to get some money, right? And then I was buying homes, right? And I was starting to get even more money, right? And then um, we went through the divorce and uh, my alcoholism started increasing. My drinking started getting even more out of hand. And by the time I was 26, I was like way out there, Mm -hmm. like full-blown, totally nuts, (laughs) right? So I was still working and doing jobs somehow, but it was like pretty sketchy, Mm -hmm. you know, like it was all you know, I wasn't functioning very, very well. And, uh, so there was a good period of, from the time I was 20 to the time I was 30 ish, that, that, that 10 years was pretty intense, mm-hmm. right? Like for watching the escalation of my alcoholism take off. Yeah. And then, um, I, uh, then I quit drinking. It kind of all came to a big crash at the end, uh, just after my 29th birthday. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, so that was the day, you know, two days before New Year's, I was like, all right, that's it. I'm, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I can't do another. I I realized something in me realized that I wasn't going to go on the way I was going. Right. So I quit and went into my first AA meeting. Right. I was signed up for treatment at uh, Sunrise Treatment Center. It's Mm -hmm. like a indigenous or native treatment center in calgary Mm -hmm. right it's a good place yeah i was signed up for it um i was kind of fast tracked they're like you got to get in here like immediately Mm -hmm. so i was planning to go in a week and i went to my first meeting aa meeting and um i stayed sober for Mm -hmm. a day and i was like that was the first day i've been sober in a long time Mm -hmm. right and i was like holy crap so i went to another meeting kept me sober went Mm -hmm. to another meeting kept me sober and then I was like, I'm going to pass on the whole sunrise treatment 
idea. Mm-hmm. Right? So I dropped that. I was like, I'm not going to treatment. Right. But what I did continue with was going to meetings and mm-hmm. staying around sober people. And so that was a big thing that I moved. I was living in Strathmore. I'd moved from Langdon to Strathmore mm-hmm. because of my work. And then um, I'd moved in my first year of sobriety, I moved back to Calgary because there's more uh, meetings here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so my recovery has been comprised of a lot of meetings, tons of meetings associated with people that I dropped all my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I no, I stopped talking to everybody. Like there was no um, association with my old buddies, you know, old friends, you know, um, I couldn't be around it. I knew that for sure. And, uh, just the change, uh, like Strathmore is a small town near Calgary, about mm-hmm. 20 minutes outside of the city. And just that small geologic geographical switch helped me just distance myself a little bit from mm-hmm. my old group, it made it more difficult. Right. And made it easier on me to, um, kind of, I isolate myself away from it, right? And not get kind of sucked back into the drama of mm-hmm. things that were going on, right? Yeah. So I started hitting the gym. Working out was a big thing, right? And it still is, right? So started hitting the gym. At my first two years, I was going at least five times a week, right? Mm-hmm. So the physical part of it, of my recovery, was a huge, a huge part of it, a mm-hmm. part of my program or part of my life, right, in recovery, so going to the gym, you know, so gym and diet have been a big thing and meetings, yeah. right? I got a sponsor, right? Like I was told to do. I did everything I was told to do, right? And plus, I felt like plus more. Yeah. I was always doing like whatever I was told to do, then I would do that times two. So mm-hmm. they're like, you should go to a meeting a day. I'm like, I'm going to three, you know, like you need that right now, Steve. And I'm like, yeah. a good suggestion. I'm going to do it times three, yeah. right? So... Yeah, I could probably say I've been to like 1,500 meetings in four years, maybe mm-hmm. more. Like tons, tons and tons and yeah. tons, right? I got involved in the uh, business part. Like I was sitting on boards for helping organize um, uh, different types of activities for AA yeah. stuff, right? So um, just engaging in uh, a totally different world than, mm-hmm. you know, engaging in, you know, pool leagues and drinking other types of drinking clubs. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> just kind of switching all that kind of stuff around. So, um, and, uh, so I started getting back into work, you know, after a period of, uh, sobriety, you know, like I started working out in the gym and working, I'm a painter by trade. Mm-hmm. Right. So I started painting more, started getting more jobs, incorporated my company. Mm-hmm. Right. What's your company name? Imagine painting. Imagine painting. Yep. Nice. And, uh, Incorporated my company and started hiring, starting to get more jobs, mm-hmm. started building my company, right? And uh, we've now been, you know, year after year doubling, right, in size and in gross mm-hmm. earnings, right? Good for you, man. Yep. It's been going really good. So we've um, experienced uh, a lot of ups and downs mm-hmm. in that, right? But like on a year-to-year basis, we've been doing really good. So that's exciting to see. And it's a totally different you know, uh, in recovery versus what it was like before, Mm -hmm. right? Like what it was like before was kind of, you know, a gong show right now. It's a lot or it's organized Mm -hmm. and, you know, people have real positions and, you know, (laughs) stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So that's pretty fun. And that's also kept me positions. (laughs) Yeah. So that has, it's, um, that's been a big part of my recovery too, is my work is engaging in something that, 
um, I'm interested in mm-hmm. and also uh, takes up a lot of my time. So I'm not bored. I'm not sitting around. Yeah. Um, it's taken a lot. It's taken a lot of energy and initiative, right? And motivation. And then um, interestingly enough, um, I started incorporating uh, a lot of the principles I was learning in sobriety mm-hmm. into my company. And sure enough, it works in the company as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, traditional stuff in AA, the traditions and like pr- other principles of, you know, like stuff like honesty. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like who would have thought that honesty <laughs> would work, right? Yeah. And, you know, just a different different types of things that um, I could see that there was a a relationship with, mm. with, with the earnings as well, right? Yeah. So it gave me motivation, right, to not just stay sober, but also to live a principled life, mm-hmm. right? Because I could see directly that, as I was living that way, I was receiving direct benefits mm-hmm. as a result, right? Yeah. So I got to see firsthand, like, I'm like, oh man, that actually affects my bank account, mm-hmm. right? And like that, that was huge for me, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's been a few years of doing that, running the company and stuff, and um, things have gotten larger and larger. And I was able to, uh, delegate out most of my position mm-hmm. and um i still have a very active role in the company but i'm able to also attend school so oh, i've been nice. attending um a university mountain mm-hmm. royal university in calgary taking courses and trying to figure out like more about myself mm-hmm. right so i'm taking stuff that i find really interesting like what indigenous studies mm-hmm. right learning more about my my father's side of the family and more about um, their history of residential schooling, the impacts mm-hmm. that it has. And it's really made it a really clear. It's helped me to uh, find some some type of more of an identity of mm-hmm. who I am. Because I've always been, felt like I was native. Yep. But I'm white skinned, mm-hmm. right? Excuse me. So I've always lived in like this very... Uh, weird spot where I'm like, I'm not white, uh, but I'm not Cree. Like, cause I don't fit on the reserve cause I'm white. Mm-hmm. So I can't just go back home to the reserve and yeah. live this indigenous lifestyle and feel a part of, mm-hmm. but I also don't really feel a part of, you know, living in the big city where mm-hmm. I have like this, um, this Cree background, mm-hmm. right. That I know I should be, that's my spirituality that we're cut off from. Right. Yeah. So, never feeling a part of right so understanding how um like colonialism has separated my family generationally mm-hmm. right you know since the late 1800s has taken the cree out of my family yeah right has given me insight into what's led me to you know why i had some of the problems i had in my teenage years led into my 20s and stuff right i could really sink it see it all linking up yeah so it's been quite interesting so yeah, that's where I'm at with my mm-hmm. right now. So going to school and stuff. So right it's on. It's been interesting. I also picked up a couple of other hobbies like hockey. Yeah. So I play on a hockey team. So I'm pretty active with my, I have a trainer that uh, trains me at the gym. And then I play hockey multiple mm-hmm. times a week, go to school, run the company, have my son. <laughs> so it's like busy life. That's a busy life. Yeah. But I like f- that though. Yeah. Do you find that it's like overwhelming or just like happily busy? Uh, happily busy. Yeah. 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 Right I, uh, so I also, in early recovery, I met a girl, mm-hmm. Carissa, and, uh, 
I was about five months sober and she was three months sober, right? And so they oh, say it's 13 like, stepper. Yeah. So they say uh they say it's like two wet noodles trying to hold each other up. <laughs> right? So it's kind of what it looks like too, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's a mess, right? And our first uh, <laughs> couple years of sobriety together have been pretty up and down, right? Yeah. Like she experienced her own set of problems mm-hmm. and I experienced mine, right? Yeah. And some of them um we you know, hurt each other, right? Like some of them there's kind of like just clashed. But for the most part, we've always kind of, we've, you know, we were coming in at the same time, Mm -hmm. right? In sobriety and stuff, right? And so we've been together for the four years as well, Mm -hmm. right? So um, I don't see, what's that? She's a good egg. Yeah, yeah, she's really good. And uh, the, uh, it's interesting because in a lot of uh, recovery, and I can see why they would suggest don't do that. Like don't, you know, don't, uh, don't do that. It's right? completely it's really it's difficult. Completely illogical to do, it. <laughs> like, but we do it anyway. Yeah, like you can see why, like people, like we identified really well with each other because we're both coming into a new, like this life mm-hmm. of sobriety or whatever, right? So that's been pretty interesting. I would say that I've learned more of through my relationship with her mm-hmm. than probably everything else, right? That's been the biggest growth about myself, right? Like where I can see, like, oh man, like this is affecting, mm-hmm. you know, my, you know things that come up in the relationship, right, have been the biggest learning. That's where my biggest learning curve is. I don't know how to say that. No, I, I understand what you mean because it's when it's mirrored to us mm-hmm. when, and, and most partners won't let you get away with shit, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so it comes right back to you. She doesn't let me get away with anything. So <laughs> I got to pretty much be perfect, which I am. Yeah, I know. I, could, <laughs> I, I think about that all the time. When I think of you, I think, what a perfect guy. <laughs> yeah. He's a perfect human. Mm-hmm. So... Looking back into your indigenous background, yep. like into the Cree, um, I don't even know how to say that, but into your Cree nature, is that what you would say? Like I would say it's... Um, identity? Cause, identity yeah. or, yeah, the, I would say, what was the question, sorry? I, you know Just what, I fucking it. lost it because I was like trying to ask a question and be all politically correct when really what I'm wanting to ask you is how is it impacting your perspective on your identity learning about your indigenous background well it's really small things but they're really great Mm -hmm. so um for instance like understanding like okay so i was raised mormon Mm -hmm. right and to believe in something that you know i came i've come to terms with that is don't believe Mm -hmm. right so i'm like being told this is what you should believe right Mm -hmm. so i get to this age i sober up and i realize i don't believe anything that i've been taught right i got to figure this all out so i start doing all sorts of stuff, religious studies, like read the Bible, you know, read other spiritual Mm -hmm. dudes like Deepak Chopra, listen to Oprah stuff, you know, like, you know, whatever I can get my hands on. You're scraping the bottom of the barrel when you start digging into Oprah, man. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, oh, look at Oprah. Let's listen to what she has to say here. Um, Eckhart Tolle, whoever I can listen to, right? And, um, you know, I I do that for years, these past years, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to figure out what I believe, right? And what, you know, with uh, the with the indigenous stuff, right? That heritage, that I feel like it's not, um, it's, a, it's a greater thing than just my sobriety that I'm looking at, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's this history, right? Where, um, you know, you have the government working with, you know, the Catholic Church to take away, take the Indian out of the Indians, Mm -hmm. right? For generations, right? In 1920, it became mandatory that 
Indian children attend residential schooling, mm-hmm. all of them, right? And the only this it was in 1996 that the last residential schooling was just closed, mm-hmm. right? So it's only just in the last 20 years that you have this gap where they're not even just being ripped out of their houses, right? And the impact that has on my family, um, I can give you some really small examples mm-hmm. um, that I can think of that I'm like, where it was really impactful. I learned there's this Cree word, right? I can't remember what it is. I don't want to make it up, right? But I can't remember what the word is, but it's the uh, word for uncle, mm-hmm. right? And a part of the residential schooling was that you're not allowed to speak your language anymore, mm-hmm. right? You have to learn English, right? So if you can imagine my father and his parents and their parents, right, not being allowed to speak their the mm-hmm. language they were taught. And what would happen is um, you lose these this um, way of identifying relationships with each mm-hmm. other, right? So an example is the word uncle, right, where I'm teaching my son, I've got two younger brothers, mm-hmm. and I'm teaching my son, this is your uncle David, this is your uncle Daniel, right? And in Cree, there's no word for uncle. It, it, the best translation is little father, mm. right? So if I had, if my language was still Cree, then I would be teaching him to understand that it's not, as, it's not just a title, but his relationship with his so-called uncle, right, is like his little father. Mm. So where to look for information and guidance and care yeah. if I'm not around, right? It's, you know, so it's like it's implied in the name rather than just uncle. It's yeah. little father, right? Okay. Stuff like that. Like I found that, you know, things That's pretty like powerful that. actually. Eh? Yeah. I found that kind of stuff to be, and I'm learning more and more about that. Yeah. And as I am, I'm like, oh man, like I really identify with some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like a loss of connection with my family's heritage, mm-hmm. right? And um, I'm... You know, so like in the last, you know, six months or a year, as I've been learning more and more of things like that, I'm realizing like how much more I identify with um, or, you know, parts of this spirituality that my Mm -hmm. family has lost over generations of time. Right. You know, so it's been a really interesting part of my recovery. Right. No doubt, man. Yeah. So it's really fascinating. Right. And like, you know, so I'm like learning more about my food. You know, like what yeah. am I putting into my body is a big part of my my recovery, mm-hmm. right? Like going to the gym, I have a trainer and stuff. And so he's always like talking to me about health and all this stuff, right? And it just so happens that it all kind of started clicking together in my recovery about the, what I'm putting in my body mm-hmm. and my this like indigenous spirituality that I'm lacking, right? And mm-hmm. like um, it started like, okay, well what am I eating? And I was watching some Netflix video, right? Of course. And I was watching it on the, uh, you know, how they were housing, um, uh, what do they call it? Uh, The hens, they call them gray, what are they called? Grazing or what do they call them? They call them free Free range. range, Yeah. Free range, right? I'm watching one of those shows right on free range chickens, right? And I'm like, oh man, I don't want to eat another chicken, right? (laughs) Yeah. And so, I started thinking like, I don't want to eat another chicken, right? And then watching the ones on like, excuse me, on cattle. And I'm like, oh man, the mistreatment of cattle. <laughs> now I don't want to eat another, yeah. now I don't want to eat one to support how they're mistreating these animals, right? And I'm like, yeah. oh man, like, and uh, then I'm, and just recently I'm sitting in a university class with this instructor and uh, she's talking about 
plants having spirits, mm-hmm. right? And stuff. And I'm like, it's a little over my head, right? And I'm like, okay, well, totally thinking about herbicides and pesticides, mm-hmm. right? And it started making a connection about the plants I eat now, mm-hmm. right? And the I, the spiritual connection I made in regards to not just animals, but now plants even, mm-hmm. and how and what I'm eating in regards to plants, and it's a little frustrating, right? I hear because you. it's uh, convenient to get all those things, right? It's very like, what am I going to do, yeah. right? But um, the connection I made was um, through uh, I think it's Ojibwe. Uh, the Ojibwe people um, have a, a, a hierarchy where you have Mother Earth, mm-hmm. right? Or, uh, yeah, so Mother Earth, the sun, and running water, okay? And then you have, so that's at the top of the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And then just below that, you have plants, right? And just below that, you have animals, mm-hmm. right? Because animals, so the plants are dependent on Mother Earth. The animals are dependent on the plants Plants. and Mother Earth. And then you have humans. And you have Mother Earth, plants, and animals. All three are not dependent on humans. But Mm -hmm. humans are dependent all three. And I'm like, boom. I made a connection Mm -hmm. of spirituality to do with plants, which I never had before. Yeah. So now I'm like questioning what kind of plants I'm eating, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, now now what I'm going to do, (laughs) right? I'm eating moose from my buddies that go hunting. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know what plants I'm supposed to eat, mm-hmm. where I'm causing harm, and you know what I mean? So it's been kind of an interesting journey of, uh, you know, especially to come to a place. I never thought I'd be at a place where I thought that plants had spirits, <clears throat> right? Or had a spirit, had a spiritual, were spiritual in nature. Isn't it a mind fuck? Ex- yeah, except for if I'm hiking. If yeah. I'm hiking out on a mountain, I'm like, oh, it's so majestic. Why do I feel yeah. so good out here, right? But not in the sense that I can logically say like that hierarchy really changed my mind. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm dependent on plants. Yeah. Right. Plants are not dependent on me. Mm-hmm. Right. So here I'm abusing, using everything around me, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's been pretty interesting, you know, yeah. pretty interesting. Uh, it's a wake up. Yeah, it is. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe I'll end up somewhere in Alaska planting my own seeds and, you know, having, I don't know. Who yeah. knows? Well, we'd be better off for it though, right? The more people that go wherever and start planting their own mm-hmm. gardens and, and their own food, like it just... Definitely. Yeah. Well, living in, in larger populated groups too, mm-hmm. right? The spread of diseases and, you know, and the way that we're, we, you know, are cropping and also mm-hmm. the way that we're raising animals, yeah. right? Is pretty out of, outrageous right now. It it's is totally barbaric. out of control. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't know how it would go back to smaller groups, Yeah. right? I can't see a path to it necessarily, right? But right now for myself, what I've been thinking is like, okay, well, education right now is really high on my list, mm-hmm. right? So like learning and understanding more, right? Um, so that my son doesn't experience the same. Um, I read somewhere that uh, one of the best ways to, because I was kind of stuck like, okay, I'm like, my dad has all these problems. I can see them, right? Mm-hmm. Like with, and it, I can clearly see that they relate back to residential schooling. Mm-hmm. You know, like you ripped out of your house, you, you lost a language, all sorts of stuff away from your family. Yeah. I can see where he, he gets it, right? And I want to fix him, right? And, uh, but it, it can't, right? And you're like, how do you, how, how do you go back? That's the whitest thing I've heard you say is yeah. I want to fix him. That's like, that's yeah. like the white person's yeah. mantra, hey? Yeah, like, exactly. Fuck. Well, I want to help out and I want to fix, right? Yeah. And I want to be like, 
how can I make some big change, mm-hmm. right? Like, how can I help, you know, like, then not... So one of the things I read was about um, uh, working on myself, as mm-hmm. usual, the problem's always me, right? Working on myself, not just heals myself, it heals the generations before me and the generations mm-hmm. after me, right? So the best thing I can do is focus on me, like, always, mm-hmm. right? Focus on Stephen as the problem and uh, work on you know, work on whatever, work on whatever's in mm-hmm. front of me. So right now, I really don't want to pass, um, you know, I don't want my son to uh, be passed on all this intergenerational trauma crap mm-hmm. that uh, maybe we can, you know, I can get him out of it, right? Mm-hmm. So that he doesn't have to experience uh, an identity crisis or something, mm-hmm. you know, or, uh, you know, different things that come up as a result. Yeah, which is so, definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. the identity yeah. crisis right oh definitely yeah. yeah i mean that's like been directly linked as far as i remember directly linked to like the percentages of indigenous population who are suffering or who have oh, died from suicide overdose things like that right yeah that it's really huge crisis yeah yeah it's really huge right so yeah so um yeah, so I'd like to do my best to try not to pass it on to him, mm-hmm. right? So that uh, he has a better life or whatever, right? So that's kind of a big, there's a lot of information there. Like of a lot of stuff I'm, you know, in my recovery right now, they're all kind of like syncing together, mm-hmm. right? But I kind of find that like recovery kind of goes ups and downs, right? Where it's like, I feel like I'm learning nothing for a while, right? Nothing's sinking in. I'm not getting anything out of anything. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh crap, like my hard work mm-hmm. is paying off. I'm getting something out of it. Yeah. Right. Continue on the journey, Stephen. <laughs> well, and it, I, we, it talks about it in some literature, but specifically, we're not meant to be inspired at all times, right? And Absolutely. The yeah. fact that we humans think that we should be or are is asinine. Mm-hmm. And by humans, I just mean I am coming from a perspective of a 44 year old white man living in North America. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that's my view of stuff. I can't help it. Mm-hmm. I just think that the more we can learn, the better. Yeah. And in sobriety, what you're talking about, the ups and downs, uh, of course, of course there are. Yeah. There's periods of time where we're not going to want to learn anymore. There might even be a part of our brain that resists it because it's like, no, I've been fucking wrong too much. I'm not learning anything else. <laughs> and then you just have a brief pause. And then, of course, you want to learn more right? mm-hmm. because once you start, all bets are off. Definitely. Right. Yeah. I find that, um, I always remind myself, I can't remember what I, where I read it, but it was very similar, mm. probably the same thing that you read, right? Possibly, yeah. But um, where without those lows, you don't really mm. respect the highs, like you don't, you're like yeah. you can't really, uh, where would the value be? You right? can't appreciate the contrast, right? No, exactly, yeah. right? So like if I'm, I hurt my back, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'm really hurt here. But it made me appreciate my body when I'm feeling good, yeah. you know, a lot more. I'm like, man, I feel good today. My back isn't mangled, mm-hmm. right? I was doing a deadlift. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing a deadlift. I remember that you were mentioning that mm-hmm. a while back you had hurt your back. Well, that's when I broke it, right? You broke yeah. your back. Yeah, like five years ago now. Five or six. Oh, man, ago. yeah. No, five. Mine years. wasn't quite that bad. Well, it was, it was already broken too, so it was just part of the deal. I didn't even know it was broken. Yeah. Well, you're just walking around with a, a broken back without fractures. Knowing it. Yeah, I had fractures in my spine, but I didn't even know it. So, oh yeah, that's not the yeah. first. You're not the first person I've heard of walking around with a broken neck or back. Yeah, people. It happens. We just get used to pain, and then we take it for granted that we mm-hmm. were at one point in time had no pain. 
Yeah. Right. A physical pain. You know, yeah. I've never known a day without some sort of emotional pain, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I've known days now in recovery, I should say, yeah. but prior to that. Yeah. yeah. Cause there's definitely days where there's no pain. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So have you ever had an opportunity or do you have opportunities today to talk and meet with your dad and to learn from your dad? He's not a big talker. No, no. I think that's one of the, uh, it's a very common trait of mm-hmm. um, residential school survivors not to talk about it. And uh, I've heard it from lots of other students, mm-hmm. right, who have parents or grandparents who have been in residential schooling who um, don't talk anything about it. It's kind so, of like, it happened, leave it alone. Let's yeah. not talk about anything to do with our feelings about it or anything that happened. Yeah. Right. It's a very, very like, but I know my dad, I've known him my whole life and he's babysitting my son right now. Yeah. Right. Like he, yeah. he's a big part of my life. Right. So, but does he ever talk to you about pre, um, residential schools, like no. his culture? Not at all. Hey, not at all. Not it must be up. painful, right? Like it, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I'm starting to understand more and more, right. Going through the classes and stuff and like learning more. I've taken, um, indigenous studies classes and about residential schooling in the past in yeah. my early twenties in university. I took some courses or whatever. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's never mentioned, I don't know yeah. anything about him. Yeah. Yeah. He's like really, it really, really just fractured his personality. Of I think course. I was reading that, um, neurologically, um, that, um, what happens is at certain, when you're at a young age and mm-hmm. things like that happen, it actually shuts off those parts of your brains. Mm-hmm. Like those parts of your brain gets actually clicked right off and they don't get turned back on. <clears throat> right. Some of and them don't. Yeah. Some of them don't. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's possibly right. Like, it's just like, just cut it. It's like a door yep. getting shut, shut the door. Yeah, that's it. Let's move forward, man. And I mean, you know? and that's the truth about any trauma as tra- yeah. children, right? Like, it, like yeah. it's you hear about it all the time when it's like, well, I don't really know, but I see pictures, right? Like, and that that's what happens with counseling, right? When yeah. you work with people, it's like there's um, some people can see it, remember it, but they've probably already been through the most of them have been through that process mm-hmm. of I see pictures, I'm not sure what it is, and I could totally see a non Caucasian like not being pressured into because that's all we want to do is talk about fucking feelings right like mm-hmm. that's like a very much a trait of ours one of ours mm-hmm. you know um but I could see not wanting to especially when you're talking about this very people who fucking punished you yeah definitely just for being alive yeah right like mm-hmm. yeah I man the, the subject like what I got started talking in circles because it just it's so fucking true right? Like what happened? Yeah. Like it's so true, man. And well, it's still happening. And it's, st- I was just going to say that and yeah. it's still happening. It I hasn't think, been done. Yeah. And there's this idea, like you, I've, I've seen two, two, uh, kind of perspectives. Like I get, I get two perspectives about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Even within my own family. Right. Yeah. Even with the native part side of my own family, where, where not only do they not talk about it, but it's also where it's kind of like, um, they're kind of colonialized mm-hmm. into the perspective, the like the Eurocentric perspective of get over it. Yeah, almost really. Like it's hey? already kind of like yeah, just kind yeah. of like get over it. Um, we have a lot of family members who are active in the legal system, mm-hmm. and like you know, like they're lawyers, and yeah. So my older sister's a lawyer as well, and I've been involved in, uh, you know the uh you know miss, missing and indigenous women in in Canada mm-hmm. or uh the residential lawsuit settlements mm-hmm. um 
and so I've heard a lot of like, I've gotten a lot of information from my family, right, about mm-hmm. all these things, right, and it's still going on. Like it's still it's still going on to this day. These things still affect. There's not been. They talk about reconciliation and mm-hmm. stuff like that, right? And there's no reconciliation at all. There's none. There's. They talk about reconciliation. I could start spiraling here. That's so, okay. Let it go. I start spiraling. Let her rip, man. Right. This I is start, where it's been going for the last I few can, weeks. So I can start. I could start spiraling about this because there is no reconciliation. There's nothing actually happening, right? That is facilitating any type of real change. Mm-hmm. There's none, right? There is very there. There is uh, what uh, my uncle Darren called curtains between the government and the governments, right? To prove that which prevent. Um, real, any type of real um, healing to happen, yeah. right? So where, you know, there's a situation where, um, okay, well, um, look at the the rate of, um, look at the quality of water on this particular reserve, right? Or look at the, uh, the high rate of fostering children on this reserve mm-hmm. or um, alcoholism or whatever the case may be, yeah. right? And then you have uh, a provincial government which says, okay, well, the federal government is responsible. And then the federal government says, well, the provincial government is responsible and mm-hmm. nobody is held accountable yeah. at all. And it's a system, it's built on that. It's been like that mm-hmm. for years and years and years, right? Here's an interesting thing, though, um, is that only recently in the last 30 years um, has... so. Um, indigenous groups are all the history is passed on orally yeah it's not in writing except for winter counts okay so winter counts is basically a book right where it's like basic information this is the best of my i've read one right mm-hmm. it was at the glenbow museum and uh, where it's this like at the year you know like the you know it would say something like uh it was a really cold winter mm-hmm. right and um it may make mention of an important person that passed away yeah. that's it yeah there's no big records like we you know like a, like but um, that's pre-colonial right like yeah and and that's and it's still even to this day a lot of it is traditionally orally uh mm-hmm. passed down so what would happen is you'd have the grandparents teaching the grandchildren right these messages and they would keep on telling the same stories over and mm-hmm. over and over again right and only at certain points when you know the story um, well enough are you given kind of the authority to retell the story mm. right and that way the message is re- passed on so um, in in uh, Canadian legislation those stories are now becoming so that they are accepted in as evidence and mm. it, in like the oral tradition is becoming as accepted as you know um, legitimate yeah. uh, information right not just because it's not written down and kept on a piece of paper, but because mm-hmm. it's passed down orally and that's the way that indigenous people do it. Yeah. Right. So, um, an elder, um, in, uh, the late early two thousands or late 1990s, right. Was, I was reading, uh, an interesting thing and it said he was talking about, um, he had had a dream, right. And the dream was that, um, this intergenerational, colonialism of indigenous peoples in mm-hmm. Canada and North America, right? We're, we're going to continue to happen, right? And and because of the uh, treatment in regards to the treaties and the, um, uh, so they're the, um, the colonists, they're, they were breaking all the treaties, mm-hmm. right? 
And so they would make these agreements and um, they would break them right away, right? And they discovered that quickly, right? So um, the uh, the this elder had this dream and basically said like, everybody's ears are going to be closed, right? In this dream, there's a bunch of representations in this dream, right? Mm-hmm. And normally dreams aren't written down and passed on this way, but they, they gave permission for this one to be written down and passed on as well as some other information, right? For the first time, right? In mm-hmm. generations, right? Because the sentiment of the dream and, and um, was that this information would start be start landing on people's ears that are open, mm-hmm. right? After seven generations, and my son is the seventh generation. Okay. Right. So now people's ears are starting to open up. Is the mm-hmm. idea? I hope it's true. Yeah. Right. No but you would see you. it because you see it in the news. You hear this word reconciliation yeah. now, even though nothing may be happening, but it's kind of popping up for the first time. You had yeah. never heard that crap in the 1990s. Yeah, you never, you know, you know, you never would have heard that, right? Like, um, no, it's a cared. buzzword for sure. You know, yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. Like, it's coming yeah. up more and more, and you're seeing, uh, you know, in particular here in Alberta, as a result of oil and pipelines, and mm-hmm. you you end up seeing indigenous groups, um, you know, it's lobbying from the United States, um, you know, trying to keep oil off you know, going mm-hmm. the Canadian oil, going to the free market or whatever, right? But you see indigenous groups and reconciliation and uh, you've seen this voice kind of start mm-hmm. happening and there's more of a voice and I can kind of see that build up, yeah. right? More of an, this indigenous voice is coming back like, hey, what the hell is going on mm-hmm. over here, man? Like something like this can't keep on going like that and people are starting to listen. Yeah. So it's interesting seeing the correlation of this guy's dream, this mm-hmm. elder's dream and the fact that they the elders were willing to write it down and spread the word yeah. that this is what the dream is, yeah. right? It's kind of like a, a pretty profound message coming from indigenous groups in Canada mm-hmm. saying like, oh, like the word is being spread around. So anyway. It's extremely, it's mm-hmm. extremely um, <clears throat> inspiring, but it's also about, it's about time that, um, not for the pushback, of course, but like the, I mean, the pushback, I can't even call it pushback because it's like, fuck you're not pushing really you just we just want like people just want equality well, and yeah. they don't want to be fucked over right yeah we have like, this uh yeah exactly you have this like human rights um like uh growing up i had this i this image of what canada means to other nations right mm-hmm. like the home of the free is peace loving really what i feel like canada is is a doormat Right. And we're just always getting stomped on, including the people that live here. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a really messed up situation here. Right. Yeah. And in, you know, in my life, I've come to, um, like I'm love, I love my freedom. Mm-hmm. Like I do have a really good life. Right. But I would change a lot of things here. Yeah. I really would if I could. There's a lot of things going on here that I'm like, Hey, if people know, yeah. knew what was going on here, like this is a mess over here, man. Like mm-hmm. the way that people are living right in our own country yeah. is absurd. You know, like it's absurd that there's a whole group, a whole group of people that it just seems like most people don't give a shit about. Yeah. They're just like, they're not even people yeah. because that's what it was. Like get the Indian out of the Indians, mm-hmm. you know, like that's what, you know, that's what it was. It was yeah. assimilation, right? You know, like if you've heard of the 60s scoop and things like that, right? Where you're just like mind boggling, um, you know, like uh, kidnapping of children, Mm -hmm. you know, legalized kidnapping of children. Just like go pick them up, man. 
and take them screaming from their families, like right in our own country. Well, right? we're not, like, and we're not, but we're not talking about years ago either. No, we're talking 1960s. Well, we're I'm, talking. I'm and talking even about recently. last week. Yeah. Two and then you have ago. yeah, and then you have like the the missing Indigenous women, mm-hmm. and you have it happening over all of Canada, right? And there was just a panel built with my my, my, my uncle Darren was on it, and um, it was uh, put together to do a very large scale investigation of all the information they could find on why this is going on still, and mm-hmm. where investigations are leading to with all these missing. Um, Aboriginal women mm-hmm. and girls, right? Like it's just going on all over the place, right? So did they find anything out? Yeah, tons of stuff, right? Yeah. It's too long to even. It's like a, yeah. it's a six hundred hour podcast, right? Like huge. We've right? only got two hundred hours, bro. Yeah, so, so we only yeah. have two hundred hours. So I'll get started. Don't get crazy. <laughs> so I went to his final address. It happened to be here in Calgary, mm-hmm. right? He was one of seventy lawyers on that panel, right? Yeah. And um, they. You know, is the conclusion was outstanding, right? But where is it gonna? What's gonna happen with it? I have no clue. I don't know what they're doing with the information. Yeah. I don't know enough about it. Um, they, I think that everybody's sentiment about that was involved in it, um, in the whole study, right, was that they were grateful that a study had even occurred, mm-hmm. and that was monumental. That even anybody was looking into it, yeah, because this is two thousand and nineteen. Right, it was actually a December of 2018 when the last the hearing was done. So 2018, mm-hmm. but we're talking 2018, and they're and they're just doing a panel on missing people, yeah. right? In Canada, like all these people are missing and nobody's investigating it. You know, like what's going on? Like why is there? Well, investigations these... hit dead ends, man. What's that? They hit dead ends. Yeah, exactly. They would just <laughs> stop looking into things, yeah. right? And and I was you being have sarcastic. I'm sorry. I know. No, I know. And like you have. There's, you know, a lot of, um, uh, because each reserve kind of is its own government, mm-hmm. right? Um, you have a lot of issues with, you know, police force and reserves and mm-hmm. government and reserves. And it's a just a mess. Yeah. Right? So when I think of all that, I get overwhelmed. Yeah. I'm like, that's such a huge... It's a big deal, man. I just had a conversation with a colleague of mine last week about... Um, some things that I heard recently about some government social workers with the RCMP as well, um, involved in t- attempting to like take kids just because of, of the indigenous background, yeah. right. Of the mother. And, um, obviously I was talking to my colleague about it and I say, can you imagine? So I want, cause we're both social workers, her and I, yeah. and we're private. So we don't work for the government. Mm-hmm. So I say, can you imagine you and I doing a home visit? Just as social workers, not affiliated with the government, can you imagine what the government would do to us if we attempted to trick the family into letting us take their kids? Can you imagine how quick we'd be fired? And she was like, yeah, we'd be instantly fired and we'd never be able to be a social worker. And so then I, and then I threw turned it over and said, "Ah, I guess it helps when you're a social worker with the government policy in your back pocket because it's policy for those social workers to do it or else they couldn't fucking do it. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Those social workers recently that I heard about in terms of working with the government and basically trying to manipulate children into wanting to leave their family. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but the mother was a victim of a horrendous crime. So, of course, that's a good time for the government to step in and be like, we just take your kids from you because this was overwhelming for you. Yeah. They don't do what the white victims do. No. Right? 
No, and I it drives me nuts, and uh, like that's why I'm really trying to stay focused on intergenerational stuff, mm-hmm. where it this goes back um, generation after generation. So this native woman, right, has a whole bunch of sociological problems Mm -hmm. outside of her the realm of her abilities to cope with Mm -hmm. for sure right and who's who's uh responsible for those Mm -hmm. like who's really responsible is the question that i keep on coming back to like i'm like and you like brought up policy i love policy Mm -hmm. right i'm like that's my fascination right and um i'm like who's really responsible here Mm -hmm. when you know like when i can go into a family unit and say okay you know, and we're talking about this, uh, like this native lady, mm-hmm. right? So say this native lady, right? And she's drinking all the time and she has kids there and all sorts of stuff is going on, right? And you're like, clearly this situation is horrible for some children to be mm-hmm. in, right? And then the way it is, it's like the this lady is going to be viewed as the nat- this, you know, this alcoholic mm-hmm. native chick, right? And, um, but where is that coming from? Right. Like I'm looking mm-hmm. at like the, I like to look at it as the, from the policy perspective. And you said like the government with the policy or the social worker with the government's mm-hmm. policy in their back pocket. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. Right. Is like um, when reconciliation or anything like of that nature, mm-hmm. right, needs to come from the top. It needs to be a policy change. Right. Where it's like, that's what hasn't changed. That nothing's changed. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like yeah. nothing's changed. There's no reconciliation. There's no actual policy yeah. change. Right. Like I guarantee those social giving, workers two no. weeks ago, they they're at policies one hundred percent in effect, or else they wouldn't have done it. No, right? And, yeah, and uh, you, you old man, drives me nuts. And the and, <laughs> and seriously, the, the the indigenous woman we're talking about wasn't a drunk, isn't yeah. a drunk, right? Now the uh, the events that happened led, leading up to her being attacked mm-hmm. by an ex partner, right? Like that. How do you blame her for that? Mm-hmm. Well, we wouldn't if it was someone else, right? Like, yeah. And if it was an immigrant as well. So this is one of the things that came up for me this week was um, I learned that there's actually like protocol in terms of coming to Canada where some immigrants are told, now this may not be true, so I am saying that ahead of time, mm-hmm. um, but that when immigrants come to Canada, there's they're put on a... Uh, level above the indigenous population. Oh, I, I believe like, that. I, I actually believe this person said it was policy. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's true, but it seems to make sense. Right. I, I've seen it firsthand. Yeah. Right. And, uh, I've, I'm a personal witness of the policies in effect that mm-hmm. I would say are still part of our institutions and our government mm-hmm. that, um, keep indigenous people down here. Right. Mm-hmm. Like almost like a subspecies, you know, like it's oh, like, you know what I mean? It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I see. I see yeah. it all the time. And I'm like, this is Canada. This is like the place I was taught, like the home of the free, like love that's everybody so and freaking we're so, so we, loving and everything like that. Yeah. And I'm like, look at how we're treating people that live here. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like, and I'm not, not just live here, even, dude, but like we're the original inhabitants of this land. Yeah. So they don't just live here. It's like, you see, if they, if you have indigenous people living here for, let's say 13,000 years prior Mm. to uh, settlement, any type of settlement, right. And we just like totally destroyed this place, you know, just Mm. destroying more and more and more of it. Right. And within 200 years. Yeah. Right. Like just like. And the only reason is green. Oh man. Absolutely. Yeah. Mind boggling. Right. Like I can go Mm. on and on about that for sure. But um, it'd be it's interesting. I I really like the elders 
uh, talk and dream, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And because it gives me a little bit of hope that, you know what, you see things on the news and then, you know, in the 10 years ago, you never would have heard anything like it. Yeah. You know, like Stephen Harper's apology, if you remember yeah. that one. I was thinking that was it six years ago or yeah. eight years ago or something. Never would have heard anything like that, yeah. right? And like, that's a nothing changed after that, it seems like, but... Yeah. You know, but it's hopeful, right? It's hopeful, yeah. and there's also it's like that that um, gives me hope that there's a movement, in at least mm -hmm. a uh, like a human rights movement. You know, like I wouldn't want to see. It's not just that I'm indigenous myself mm -hmm. that I would want to see that. I wouldn't want to see any group being treated the way that one group is being treated. Yeah, right. Like that doesn't make any sense. No, especially from the way I was taught that Canada is. I think right? most Canadians, if they actually knew these things yeah. like if they actually knew but that's part of right yeah and that's that's a big point too and our education system um fails to teach people what's really going on yeah and how it's still affecting people to this day right like how the mm -hmm. indi how indigenous people are living how you know like they think right now we think like okay indigenous people get all this money and indigenous people get all these free gifts and they get free education and university and mm -hmm. they get free healthcare and all this crap right and they get all this free stuff and that's what people think and they're like mm -hmm. why do they get all this free stuff screw them right mm -hmm. and people think that right and we're kind of taught like that you know half inside me i feel that way sometimes mm -hmm. i've been raised to feel like bad about being the recipient of some stuff like free some free education stuff mm -hmm. or getting my teeth cleaned once a year right where my buddy doesn't get that same thing yeah right but what people fail to realize is that the treaties are agreements made between the inhabitants of this country that were here prior to, mm -hmm. and that when settlement was happening, they could not have survived without the indigenous people. And they made those agreements together so mm -hmm. that they could survive, yeah. right? And there was a union between the top groups, the federal government mm -hmm. and the, and the uh, elders of each tribe. Yeah. To form an agreement, an, an equality, like an e agreement. You well, know? I think that right now, I think you're and talking about it from a Cree perspective because the colonial perspective is like, these agreements were just to get you to not kill us. That's exactly right. That's all they were, right? Yep. So that until we could get strong enough to then make the agreements null and void. Yeah, and I've had, I've had friends say, this is, I've had friends say this, right? Which is a really odd one because I'm not sure where they learned it, right? But I've had more than one person have told me this. Well, there was a war and we won. Get over it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What on earth are you talking the about? Conquer, that's the conqueror's perspective. Yeah, right? and it yeah. is. It's a God's eye view on how things are, right? And it's a very yeah. colonial, Eurocentric perspective on everything. And we're taught that. I'm, well, I have it inside in, me, man. I yeah. want to conquer everything around me. Yeah. Like I want to conquer nature and I want to mm -hmm. conquer people and I want to conquer and I want to own stuff. And I want to like in indigenous culture doesn't have ownership over land, mm -hmm. right? Like you can't own the land. You're a because part of the land. Because it belongs to, the, yeah, you're, you're the all same, a part of it. You're a part yeah. of it, right? Like, yeah. and it's two very, very different worldviews. Very much right? so. Very, yeah. And like, and honestly, when I really start getting into it, right? Because I really like physics and I really mm -hmm. like um, uh, like new age science, okay? Mm -hmm. And I like the idea. New, I like how you say new age science. <laughs> yeah. we'll, just well, let's call it science. Let's call it science. <laughs> yeah. I like new age science. Um, the, <laughs> like uh, how, um, I'm not sure if it's uh, physics. What's the one I'm always thinking of? I always lose the name for it. Like astrophysics, you mean? No, um, it'll maybe come to me. After. I'm not sure what you're talking about. I don't about, know. So. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm about like atoms. That, I'm thinking about atoms, but there's the one where you have... 
you know, like on the show Big Bang Theory, and they're talking about there's always the two parties that combat each other. Mm. Um, you have like uh, not like wave theory, but yeah. string theory, you have string theory, and what's the other one? String theory, quantum theory, quantum theory. So yeah. you have quantum theory. That's the one of new age science. Quantum well, it, theory. It actually is new age because nobody that's what knows I'm a thinking damn of. thing about it. Yeah. So yeah. quantum. So this is where my mind goes. Okay. So I shouldn't say they don't know a damn thing about it. They just don't know as much as we'd like to believe. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And so my new age science that mm-hmm. I really enjoy, right, <laughs> is quantum theory. Okay. <laughs> and the idea of quantum theory, <laughs> right, is the um, the relationship between the observed and the observer, mm-hmm. right, and how. Uh, the observed doesn't exist without the observer, mm. right? So at the at the quantum level, particles are so small, and they're moving in ways that um, the people didn't understand before, mm-hmm. right? So basically, they go from what I will simplify for myself, for so my own brain can imagine it, mm-hmm. right? Is that it's information floating around everywhere? Mm-hmm. Is the quantum field? Yeah. And when to be observed, these particles collapse right from from uh, information they collapse into particles mm-hmm. upon being observed right so there's this massive relationship between the observer and the observed mm-hmm. right because without the observer the observed doesn't really exist which mm-hmm. is a strange concept in quantum theory yeah. okay yeah so you have indigenous spirituality right and the relationship of balance with everything around you right so your your plants and the animals the mm-hmm. hierarchy we're talking about but also yeah. the relationship that you have with replacing what you take yeah right like you can't there is always an effect on what you take mm-hmm. so there's always a ceremony and there's always um, recognition for what you're taking and what you're receiving mm-hmm. and what you're giving back right mm-hmm. to keep things in balance not just in relationships but also with all their surroundings, right? Yeah. There's a huge part of, of uh, indigenous spirituality, mm-hmm. right? Is that balance, right? And now you have new age science, quantum theory, saying the exact same thing, right? That there's a, a give and take relationship mm-hmm. between what you're putting out and what you're going to get back, yeah. right? And I really like that. Like, I like that it's, and that's why I see... Well, it's almost pre-Christianity again, right? Mm-hmm. Where there was like, uh, we're animus, where we're all equal. Mm-hmm. Right, because Christianity put the hierarchy in place, mm-hmm. really. Well, that that's what some people say that yep. it was like the first thing to start this hierarchy of like um, man over nature. Yeah, right, absolutely. Yeah, it was God, then it was man, then it was nature, and yeah. then it was Earth. Which yeah, is now fucking ridiculous. It right? is. It, yeah, and <laughs> when you think about it. Yeah, and it's it's weird that um, um, like our perspective on on like that hierarchy, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, conquering nature. Yep. Right and stuff like that. Right, is so dominant. Isn't that strange? I find it very strange. I don't think it's as strange as we as we might it might appear because it's just as there is generational trauma, there's also generational knowledge. That's so true, yeah. some of that knowledge is pa- I say knowledge with quotation marks, but it's passed on just like that trauma's passed on. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like my dad never said to me, "You cannot be this or that." Right. Instead. What he passed on to me were messages that made it less desirable for me to be that or that, mm-hmm. right? It was the messages that put together create an image of, oh, if you're that, you're bad, mm-hmm. right? If you're that, you're not being Here's good. your direction. 
That's right. Right. And he was taught that too. And he was taught that too. That's yeah. exactly my point, man. That's yeah. some of that beautiful information that he was taught. 25 generations of you were, you're led down this one path. Yeah. Right. And it's such a strange thing. Right. But I can mm-hmm. see with the, with quantum theory, like my, this new age science, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, I don't think it's quite that new, but it's, uh, you know, well, newer. It's, just, it's not it's really widespread yet. It's yeah. undiscovered too. They don't, like I heard a doctor talk about it. He said, if anyone tells you they know about quantum computing or mechanics or quantum science, chances are they don't <laughs> because they don't like it's still on that birthplace, right? Yeah. Like where we're still fumbling around with like the Spermazilla and I'm really fascinated. Yeah, I'm really fascinated with it, right? And it's amazing. I, and, yeah, and um, it gives me insight into how I behave, mm-hmm. right? And it makes me really think. Like, um, it's interesting that it's scientific in nature, but it makes mm-hmm. me think on a spiritual level of how I behave. Yeah. Like, what am I putting out, and um, what am I, you know, you know, like what am I putting out and receiving, right? There's a relationship between the two, right? You can't just go out and conquer something, there'd be no consequences, Yeah. right? You throw everything out of balance, there's going to be some consequences yeah. to that, right? And you can see that in this uh, topic of like colonialism or, mm-hmm. you know, this these traumas and stuff like that, right? You mm-hmm. can see there's going to be consequences. Like there's got to be restored balance at some time. Right? Well, and that's simply cause and effect, right? Like it's mm-hmm. uh, and that goes into a causality. I don't know what theory that's a part of, but it's, uh, it's the same idea. Mm-hmm. It's that you have all that generational trauma, much like the states are seeing right now, right? With African-Americans is mm-hmm. that, that generational trauma that has been bottled up for all this time. And there, and don't get me wrong. There were some riots, but there was no revolution. Mm-hmm. There was no, like, there was no actual outlet for that rage and that pain to go. Right. I, I don't know what's going on in the United States right now. I've been so focused on me. Yeah. Well, the United States <laughs> is like Canada. We like we have this like government that condemns powers across the globe for being mm-hmm. like um, I don't know maniacs treating people poorly. Mm-hmm. But fuck, dude, can, I can tell you when I was in high school in the states because I'm from California, we never learned. Well, at least not at the level that I remember. So I'm not going to say that teachers didn't try teaching me and that I wasn't paying attention because chances are I wasn't paying attention. But I don't ever remember learning about the actual history of the uh, indigenous populations in the States. Mm-hmm. What I remember learning is the history according to the history books, which were Columbus came and there was a wonderful picnic and they shared with the aboriginals and they traded and things were lovely. And then the indigenous people actually back then they would call them Indians, right? Yep. Um, they, they, they then chose because they didn't want to live in cities they chose to go on what we now call reservations. Mm-hmm. There was no, I don't remember it. And don't get me, I was not a good student in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't remember ever getting that essence. Yeah. I right? don't think that any, just like the United States here, here yeah. in Canada, we're not taught any, any type of background. Or I don't even think we're really taught real history, to tell you the truth. I really feel like there's, that's how I we're just taught, too. we're just taught whatever that particular teacher wants to tell us really Mm -hmm. like what's stopping one teacher from you know like you know if there's a code of ethics or whatever maybe they're going to follow it and stay within the you know the structure but i've heard other university students teachers right um teaching against reconciliation Mm -hmm. at the university yeah right so a teacher can still just make up their mind and say you know what no that's not what i was raised to believe Mm -hmm. right and i believe what i was told 
See, I'd rather have right? that. I'd rather them have that flexibility because then you're going to get a bunch more forward thinking people. That's true. Right. I, I that's yeah. my opinion. I mean, yeah. I, I can that's appreciate. A good, that's a like, good point. Yeah, it yeah, is. I can appreciate the point. Like uh, some people are really offended by fuck. What's his name? Oh, uh, yeah. Jordan Peterson. Like I, I don't, I don't know anything about the guy's politics or anything about his teaching, but I think part of why people get up in arms is because he's teaching what he wants what he believes mm -hmm. he's not teaching whether it's right or wrong. I have no idea, mm -hmm. but I think the more professors and teachers do that kind of stuff, the better off we all are. Right. Even if Jordan Peterson is a total blowhard asshole, I have no idea. Cause you're formulating ideas he's against still, his ideas. That's right. Which he's is forward thinking. He's still trying to think outside the box mm -hmm. and not get caught in that place of like rigidity where you can't think beyond that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think, just like there's a downside to it, of course, because you're going to get teachers that are more Nazi-esque, right? More conquer-esque, you know, mm -hmm. like, and I have friends. This is why this subject is tough for, sometimes for me is because I have friends that even believe in the conquering theory, right? And of course, like, it's, it's hard because they're not wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's not relevant anymore. Mm -hmm. Right? Like whatever happened back then is not fucking relevant anymore. Mm -hmm. So whether it was a conquering army or not, like I get it. Okay. The Romans did the same fucking shit, went into other countries, took over. Empires have done it since the beginning of time. Right? But we're not there anymore. So mm -hmm. the policy should, I think, reflect where we are, not where we were 200 years ago. Mm -hmm. Right? Because those policies are fucking irrelevant. Yeah. Like you're acting like bar barbarians. Yeah. Like, where are we taking ourselves back to a, a barbarianism? Right? Yeah. And do you need to go and kill people and be at war and stuff? Like, for, is that really what we want? It doesn't make any sense. And I think right? it's the only reason I stay friends with some of these guys is because I, I know they don't want that. Mm -hmm. But they, I think they hear, just like you and I hear, whatever's popular, whatever's being yeah. popularized and spread around, right? Mm -hmm. I, I'm grateful because I get to come here every week and i learn so much more about the world around me every week by people like yourself talking about it which is one of the reasons why i love doing this mm -hmm. is because where else are we going to be able to talk like that yeah absolutely i find one thing that you brought up there i find that um there's individuals too and you said they're um they don't really want that they mm -hmm. don't really want that but they'll still talk about it as mm -hmm. if they do right and i i find that um like education is really important, mm -hmm. right? It really is, right? Like it's it, opening your mind, being open-minded mm -hmm. is really important, right? And um, I find a lot of people are, around me struggle, right? Um, and they're kind of confined to what they've been taught by other people, mm -hmm. right? And they're confined. So it's really important to keep an open mind yeah. to like just the different concept, right? Like mm -hmm. maybe history, maybe we're not taught everything that happened. Right? Yeah. Maybe we can't be taught everything that happened, right? But maybe the single story that we're being taught is untrue. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. maybe there's a lot more. Maybe they're leaving out, you know, some of the bad shit that the government has done. Yeah. You know, like, you know, like they say reconciliation wasn't, a, you know, that is a, you know, an apologies, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, but I don't know. It's a confusing one for me. Well, and, and well, it's confusing for you, not to mention for for everybody else, right? Who's because most people who aren't connected, say to like being Cree mm -hmm. or being Métis or or Blackfoot or whatever. Did I just fuck that up? 
Okay. No, right. Cause like my, my language hasn't caught up with my outrage over the whole thing. <laughs> right. So, because I, I, I don't believe that that's what we are. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that we're a bunch of barbarians mm-hmm. on in any way. I don't yeah, believe that's, that. That's kind of what I was saying about yeah. friends of mine, right? Their perspectives are kind of caught in a trap. Yeah. Right. They're kind of like stuck. Right. And I can kind of see them motoring along mm-hmm. on like a treadmill almost. Right. And kind it's of caught, almost kind common. Of, yeah. Kind of caught like, why am I struggling with this? Yeah. Right. But haven't quite formulated. Right. And so, and you said like, oh, I don't know why I'm friends with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like I'm still friends with them because, you know, but I can kind of see that they're, you know, I hope that they come out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like hopeful. Right. I'm like hopeful that they'll, that they'll, yeah. um, something will inspire them to, have an open mind around it, you know, like, uh, I've got, I've got friends yeah. that have some pretty, pretty basic and very, uh, isolated ideas about yeah. even who I am or like indigenous mm-hmm. groups or other groups or, yeah. you know, all sorts of stuff. Right. And, and to be honest with you, I don't know if, the, if their minds need to change or anything like that. Cause I, I just don't know what's right to be honest with you, mm-hmm. uh, except for, I know that it's not right to hurt other people. Or yeah. to keep other people um, down, and so that's what we're doing. So regardless mm-hmm. of the right or the wrongs of it, like or the details of it, mm-hmm. what's happening is that we we are on a wide scale um, in Canada specifically because that's where we are, but on a broad scale, uh, trying to eliminate a whole culture. Yeah, exactly. While yeah. at the same time saying that we're trying to celebrate all these other cultures. Yeah, and right? that's yeah, and you see. Um, I've seen it seen it firsthand where we're celebrating another country's not Canadian culture, mm-hmm. but another country's culture here in Canada, while we are um, slowly oppressing, choking. while we're oppressing an, an, our only Indigenous people here. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's mind-boggling. I'm like, yeah. we're celebrating what? But we're oppressing mm-hmm. our own some of our own people. Yeah. Right? It's a very, very strange... It is, man. Like, it's really messed up. It's a totally right? fucked up hierarchy, right? Like, it in the really f- screwed and up. Hopefully it shows whoever creates these fucking hierarchies, hopefully it shows them how useless it is. Yeah. Because it doesn't make any sense, man. Like, you can't even tell me that it's logical, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's... Emotionally, it's obviously despicable. Like, mm-hmm. more and morally, it's despicable. But just logically, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, I think it, it comes... It, it when, as far as I can tell right now, mm-hmm. it's greed. That's what I think it seems greed, like to me. To me, yeah. it feels like it's greed. Like I yeah. feel like at some point, at some person is making a policy decision, mm-hmm. right? Where it's going to be money is going in one direction instead of where they want it to go. And it comes down to the yep. personal decision of one individual who is signing that policy. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to doing a right thing or doing a greedy thing. And yeah. it's like, I'm going to keep that money, man. And our systems are built... You know, that's not, you know, it's not, um, we don't have like a, a very, in my opinion, a very great justice system here. Terrible. I, I think yeah. that we have more of, um, it's the court system, not the justice system yeah. in my mind. We have these systems, but they're not, you know, like if yeah, you have, justice if you have more money than me, right. And, yeah. and, uh, you're definitely wrong. You've caused me, you know, the, that you've hurt me or you've caused mm-hmm. me, but you have more money, right? They might punish you financially because you have the money, but you will not, there will not be justice to me, like in, oh, yeah. in my opinion, because no. you're loaded, yeah. right? Like you have the cash. Well, and you right? can afford a better lawyer. You can afford yeah. all the stuff that the person without money can't afford. Exactly. Because you can't even say, you can't say that when you go to court 
if you're poor, right? Forget about color, but just poor. You go to court, you get the public defender versus the crown. Absolutely. Like, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? And the crown can have two, three lawyers working for them because they always do. The resources are unlimited. Unlimited. That's right. Unlimited resources. Yeah. Right. So how were the, how are the indigenous peoples supposed to get fair treatment? Absolutely. Right. Right. Like there needs to be, um, at some stage there, you got to go high enough that where a specific policy is in favor of indigenous people, yes. right? And actual real reconciliation in regards to um, the treaties, yeah. I think. I think it comes down to the treaties and and uh, in most, in my mind, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I can't really, uh, like the treaties mean one thing to, to native peoples mm-hmm. and they mean something else to um, the government. Yeah. They're two completely different world perspectives on of what course. those agreements mean. Right. Yeah. Like, and, uh, so they almost need to be rewritten, you know, in, in sense so that they're understood from this colonial perspective of what they meant to and mean mm-hmm. to indigenous groups now. Right. Yeah. And so that there's no, you know, like I have a, I used to have a, we, I went to the court with, um, my ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, her lawyer at the time wrote up this agreement and it was meant to cause problems. Like yeah. it was, it was meant to create confusion and meant to cause problems so that he would come back with her and we'd always go back to court. Because right? never resolving paid, anything right? because if this contract was a piece of shit, yeah. right? And it was meant to, right? And I was always telling her, you know, and even though we were arguing, so it was, it was falling on closed ears, mm-hmm. right? But I'm like, get a different lawyer. Just get anybody different than this guy and help them, you know, help, you know, help mm-hmm. you, your side. You know, they're still going to, mm-hmm. you know, vouch for you. They're going to be there for you. They're yeah. your, your, their client. Just get a different lawyer. This guy's really dishonest, mm-hmm. right? It was spiraled for years. Yeah. All the same crap all the time, right? Because, and that's what I look at the treaties like, mm-hmm. is that I see they were written so long ago, like they're written um, very unfairly, right? They're written like, you know, like you're, so the representative of, uh, of an indigenous group on this side and the representative, um, you'd have a translator that couldn't speak both languages, yeah. for example. Like yeah. you can even speak Blackfoot, but then you, you're you having the Blackfoot people sign that treaty, yeah. but you can't even speak the language yourself. So the agreement kind of seems unjustified to, well, to begin with. It just seems are, like yeah. it's ridiculous, right? Yeah. And, um, you pass on a written document to a people that has been used to oral tradition forever. And they don't even know the language, yeah, what the right? Fuck, and in most cases, they're forced to sign it anyways, yeah, right? And it's just like, no we're fix. dominating you, you know, that's yeah. it, right? Well, there's the domination factor, right? Yeah, it's just like, yeah. let's just get this over with. We've conquered right? you. So here's a piece of paper that we're going to pretend says something that you get rights. But yeah. in reality, you're fucked. But here's the yeah. thing is that we're still going by that exact same piece of paper. And it's 2019 yeah. in Canada. It's baffling, man. Right? And there's people's lives are all affected by that piece mm-hmm. of paper, right? Yeah. So that's that's where I'm like, that doesn't make much sense, right? Yeah. That's I'm like, how can how how is that not being resolved? If there's reconciliation, there's got to be reconciliation around those agreements, right? Yeah. They need to be rewritten from the perspective and agreed upon. From you know, like there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's not just an oral tradition anymore. Mm-hmm. You have scholars that are indigenous. Yep that can rewrite and help rewrite and lawyers and groups and everything that can rewrite these things from that perspective. Right. Why is it not happening? Greed. 
Well, of That's course. What I think, right? Well, but it's the same it's like, as I mean, think about it in the, in the Constitution down south with the guns. Yep. Right. Like the it just why will you why will we not why are we treating this shit like it's sacred, man? Mm-hmm. These are not sacred rules. These are things that dudes sat around, dudes. Yeah. And let's go back to like the U.S. when they're sitting around in wigs. Like, come on, guys, seriously. We're going to listen to a bunch of dudes that sat around in wigs and pretended they were manly and then, like, you know, gave smallpox to kids? Like, yeah. fuck you. Like, I just don't understand yeah. why we can't look at these documents anymore. And yeah. people get all like, oh, you can't change the Constitution. Well, you have to. Mm-hmm. The Bible's changed, and the more it changes, the more it changes, right? Because then all bets are off. There's no such thing as sacred there anymore, especially mm-hmm. with our government. Like, really? The U.S. Yeah. government's sacred and the Canadian government's sacred? I don't think so. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's interchangeable, right? It's yeah. all a bunch of bullshit. They yeah. just don't want to change it. Yeah. And for greed, I think. I think yeah. it's just about money. I think you're right. right? Yeah. And it comes down to, it, it's I don't know who, but it comes down to a handful of individuals who are stopping it from happening, right? Mm-hmm. And they obviously generationally have been taught, you know, Yeah the same perspective, you know, that one perspective, like this is what it is, right? Like I disagree with your Mm -hmm. perspective, right? And uh, I've been taught like to crush the things around me and- That you don't agree with, yeah. Yeah, exactly, that you don't agree with, right? Conquer and accumulate, Mm -hmm. you know, capitalism, the whole, right? It comes down to an individual making a decision that says, but they've been taught that too. Mm -hmm. They've been taught that, right? And like, that's the, that's where my mind always spirals to mm-hmm. is just like, how do you go up against something like that? It costs a lot of money to go to the Supreme Court. Yeah. And like to go through a system like that, you need to have a lot of, and capital and backing. And capital and, and backing, right? And mm-hmm. like, how do you, the only way you raise that now, right, is through more greed almost. Yeah. It's like, well, what am I going to get out of it if I'm going to lend, you know, if I'm going to lend you a billion dollars to go and try to rewrite a treaty, man. Mm-hmm. I better be getting a billion dollars out of it. Yeah, at least. Now you're back right into the same boat yeah. because it's a different, it's a the same Eurocentric perspective, mm-hmm. right? I think, the, <laughs> I think the good news is, you're absolutely right, but the good news is, is that we're not taking it anymore. Like people are just continually um, challenging these things. And, mm-hmm. and whether or not it's like effective, time will tell. I can, I can see it as being effective already. Mm-hmm. Because things are already changing and people don't like it. Mm-hmm. Every time I see a meme that says, oh, do you remember what it was like back then versus now? And it's like, dude, do you realize how pathetic you sound mm-hmm. when you say, oh my God, it was so much better back when? Back when what? When we had what, slaves? Is that when it was better? Or was it better in between when you were hosing down black folks because they tried to use the same drinking fountain, right? Like. Yeah. When are you talking about? When was it so much better? Was it better in Vietnam when we sent thousands of Americans and Canadians and whoever else wanted to go fucking die? Down that road on that topic, right? But this is, but this is the thing. The stages have been set throughout history to tell us, like we are doing it wrong, (laughs) right? Anytime you send thousands, hundreds of thousands of people to some place to fight a fucking communism thing. Come on, man. Like, yeah. seriously. And we just, and we drafted these people. Uh, sorry, I could go down and fucking rabbit no, hole me there too. too so. yeah, and, uh, Breathe, Davey. Breathe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I saw, um, I read, um, well, I'm attending Mountain Royal University. Um, we were talking about um, instances of, of um, where I see <clears throat> other cultures kind of 
from other from other countries it's not can you like i understand like we're kind of like this uh we call it a melting pot right all mm-hmm. a bunch of different cultures like the doors well, unless are you're indigenous we just the, ignore yeah culture, like so. it, it seems that way right <laughs> yeah. it seems that no, way I'm a serious. lot right? yeah it's, it doesn't seem that way it is that way it feels that way yeah it is that way and um we have uh these like yeah alberta has a charter of rights mm-hmm. alberta charter of rights right and um so Mount Royal University recently opened up. I'm going to get you going on one. Okay, nice. ready? Bastard. So yeah, Mount Royal University recently opened up two shower stations for Muslim uh, Muslims groups there, mm-hmm. right? Um, and instead of, and this is my opinion, okay, we're mm-hmm. going to get into my opinion right now, but um, they opened up these two, they, they developed these shower stations just for washing your feet. It's a religious mm-hmm. thing, right? Uh, yep. For It's a spirituality or I'm not exactly sure why, but it's mm-hmm. a religious, Muslim religious thing. They wash their feet. Something, something. I don't know what the, the significance is. I have no idea is, either. So. It, so, but they put all this money into it. It was $115,000 for the mm-hmm. two stations in the school. But they, the reason, what they said though, and this is where I, what I didn't like, it's not the fact that they opened up the stations mm-hmm. and want to entice more of the Muslim community to come to the school mm-hmm. because as a business, the university is a business and they're going to try to make some money, yep. right? The more students that come and the more welcoming they are to a variety, wider range of peoples, mm-hmm. great. And we're Calgary where it's a all sorts of different cultures, right? Yep. Why not, right? But what they're saying is that it was a breach of the Alberta charter of rights that the washrooms weren't at the school already and that's why they were built right they were built because it was a breach of their rights right to have these facilities for public access Mm -hmm. to the one particular group but what i don't like is that it's facilitating only one specific religious group Mm -hmm. not the whole general public the whole general public doesn't use those things Mm -hmm. right it's one religious group right and um so I, I kind of, when I saw that, I was like, why not just call it what it is? Like you're trying to entice more students to come so you can make more money, mm-hmm. right? Why not call it that? Why do you have to go down this road of, you know, like it's a, you're breaching the Alberta Charter of Rights concept. And like, maybe I'm just not smart enough. I don't know enough about mm-hmm. about it, right? But to me, it's like you're catering to... um like we we have we have our I'm going back to like indigenous stuff mm-hmm. right but um here you're catering to one specific religious group mm-hmm. that is is that we're there I, I'm not saying that they're not here in in Canada mm-hmm. or anything like that right or shouldn't be here I have no problems with Muslim people whatsoever mm-hmm. zero problems right and I'm like all the you know everybody Dude, can the come, more the merrier man more yeah. I don't care who comes to the Canada me. right but to say that you're breaching human rights, right? And it's just mind-boggling, mind-boggling, right? That what's happening to indigenous people, but then you're dumping $115,000 into opening up wash stations for one particular religious group. And so we were talking about how we can put other relig- other groups, mm-hmm. other peoples, other cultures on a pedestal. And then you have like indigenous people mm-hmm. way down here underfoot, right? And like, this seems like such a, such a wicked, uh, like, um, just like hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. That's the word. Yeah. It's just like, and I that's one I wanted to bring up. I was like, this is such a bunch of crap, right? From yeah. a from a business perspective, it's great, right? Yeah. I'm like, why don't you just call it from a business perspective? Why do you have to say there's a human rights movement? Because you can't you can't monetize another religion, or else you're a 
person who does that, right? Like yeah, you're I just, so. well, I mean, you know, dude, they, they're mm. not going to tell the truth yeah. about why they're doing it. They can't. The truth is they're greedy. As you said, probably they want more money. Why not? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's the truth, obviously, no. No, but if mean. it is, why would they tell you? Mm-hmm. That, that's not, that's not in the colonial culture to tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's in the colonial culture to not tell you, to be like, well, this is what we're doing and this is why. It's because we care so much, right? We care so much. Mm-hmm. We have to do this, right? Because they said we sell it. That's one of the things we do. We, we sell it. So we can't even tell who's telling the truth and who's not, mm-hmm. right? So we just believe everybody now who yeah, says we're doing it because of this. We just feel so, you know, this is so important, right? Yeah. Like it's important to pay off people who have been like known terrorists. So we still do that shit, yeah. right? So to me, that's more yeah, bothersome than the fucking like $10 million, <laughs> right? $10 million to a, a supposedly, allegedly terrorist. Same time, our veterans, the indigenous population, like there's all this stuff, right? Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. It right? is very mind-boggling. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, how we can't get our oil to the free market is mind-boggling. Yeah. While we're buying our oil and shipping it across the world, to our refineries here in Canada without even buying our own Alberta oil. Yeah. It makes no sense. None. Like it makes no sense. It's not about logic I'm, though, right? I'm, yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I may not be the, I'm not the uh, greatest uh, right now at this time in my life, a huge fan of Canada. Mm-hmm. Right. So I could be quite, cause I'm just experiencing a lot of different things. Yep. A lot of new concepts, a lot of different information coming at me. Right. Yep. And I'm not a huge patriotic dude right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm like kind of like, no, like this place yep. is just like not the, um, what, uh, we were raised, um, to believe it is good. You Think know? for yourself, right? You know what I mean, yeah, yeah, it's like, no, that's not what's really going on here. Yeah. Like here is like, we're paying, you know, known terrorists. We're like, here's $10 million, but you're yeah. a known terrorist. Are you freaking kidding me? And that's like, just the one that we heard about. That's right? just like, the one we heard about. Yeah. yeah and I'm like, sure we don't more. know what's going on yeah. exactly. Right. And like, and it, that's all to me, that like, all comes down to greed and money and oil, mm-hmm. right? And like who's interconnected with who and what's yeah. going on, right? Like, yeah, who, who's given a hand job to who? Yep. Yeah, this week, right? Yeah. yeah. It always comes back to hand jobs, Darcy. I don't know why you, you're surprised by that. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised <laughs> by that. <laughs> it always comes back to that, right? Like who can, who can help you versus uh, that you're going to help? Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I, what time is it? Oh, fuck, hour and a half. Nice work, dude. Is that good? Yeah, that's awesome. Do you, is there anything else you want to talk about? No, not really. No. No? I could spiral for a long time. So Yeah, we could. Eat, I could just figure that out. That's why I stopped. I'm like, wait yeah. a minute, dude. Like, no, like we started talking about Vietnam or something. You mentioned that, right? And I was just like, here we go. Yeah, right, Vietnam another, came into another, it. Another hour? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, unfortunately, though, did you, did you stop it? No, no. Oh, okay. Well, unfortunately, though, the things that we're talking about, you can't just like, solve it. There's no solution yet. Right. I think that's part of what frustrates me anyway, is that there is no solution yet mm-hmm. is that we're still grinding towards a solution. Absolutely. Right. With all of the bullshit going on. I'm the- hopeful that, um, the, our generation will lead the next generation and that generation down a different path. Yeah. That's what I'm hopeful for. Yeah. Right? Me too. And it also has a lot to do with people's recovery as well on yeah. a large scale in this country. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I think that it'll, It'll be a guiding force to people into actual healing out of a lot of the mm. alcoholic and of drug abuse and all the other types of abuses that come along with all those intergenerational traumas that they yeah. experienced from just 
generationally passed down on and on and on. Mm-hmm. So I hope that, you know, each one of us that stays sober, yeah, you know, hits it up and keeps on Me stay, too. So, stay sober. <laughs> stay sober. And if you're not going to stay sober, at least educate yourself, like Absolutely. educate yourself, educate your kids. Like just, it's pretty simple, man. Like mm-hmm. when I went to college for the first time, one of my professors was just really obviously switched on. Turns out he was a heroin addict too. It was really cool. We had some really good, <laughs> we had some really good conversations together. But the truth is what he said was, don't let us tell you how to think. Mm-hmm. Don't. You take our info, take the information, but you, you turn it into something that you're going to do something with, mm-hmm. right? That you can take accountability for. Because I think gone, really are the, important. Right? gone are the days where I'm going to be able to blame my dad's generation for whatever the fuck I want to choose to do today. Yeah, at some point you take that leap out of there. Yeah, you have like, to. I'm accountable for what my what I'm doing and what my yes. future is going to look like and what my kid's future is going to look like. That's it. You're accountable for what you're going to do. The next generation. And the next generation, not for what's happened. Yeah. Right? Because we just, I don't know. I just think accountability is a huge thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Dude, thanks a lot for coming, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Sorry we took, we went down a rabbit hole there, but I actually, I'm not sorry about it at all. That was good. Yeah. Right on, man. Cool. Thanks, man. Thank you. We would like to remind you that the opinions shared are those of the individuals and not representative of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other affiliation we may share with organizations or individuals. Thank you, Wild Rose United Church, for your open-hearted giving to the community at large in a multitude of ways. You have graciously provided space and love for us to work within, and we cannot thank the staff, volunteers, and members of the church enough for all that they do each and every day. Thank you again, Darcy Robinson. As usual, your work is incredible. Thanks for donating it to us. I am not here without each of our board of directors, Trent Baker, Todd Deer, Christine Pimiskern, Heather Morijo, Wayne Lurie, and John James. To all of the individuals who graciously donate their money and time to helping Freedom's Path become a society and now a charity, thank you. Who is Freedom's Path? We work directly with individuals and families struggling and suffering from, with addiction of all types, mental illness, codependency, and a multitude of difficulties humans bring forward as they attempt to make life-altering changes. If you are interested in attending our upcoming or future groups, being a guest on the podcast, or looking to make a donation or help in some other way, please contact us through our website, www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca, or find us on Facebook at Freedoms Path Recovery Society. If you are close to giving up, regardless of what your difficulty might be, please reach out to someone. You can always give up tomorrow, or maybe you won't have to. To anyone listening, imagine that your voice might be the only one someone hears inside their darkness. What is it you would like to say? As for me, I'm David Lurie, and I wish you all the best, wherever you are. Be safe and try to have some fun, because our time here is quite limited after all.